Today on this episode of the 5th Estate Podcast, I'm going to be talking about some of the things that happened over the weekend, uh, the big parade through town, uh, the new moronic variant that's coming out, um, and a few other things. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. My name is Cameron Blewett and this is episode 11 of the 5th Estate Podcast. Uh, now, starting off the show, a bit of uh, a thing I thought I'd uh, share today's, uh, what are we, COVID stats for Monday the 29th of November 2021. Uh, according to Department of Health and Human Services or Department of Health now because it's been broken up because it's too big. But anyway, that's a different subject. Uh, 48,392 people got tested in the 24 hours. I think that's to midnight last night. Uh, of those uh, 48,000, uh, 1,813 people tested positive to having the virus. Now, that does not mean that all these people are symptomatic. So we need to make that clear. Uh, that brings us to a running total of 11,501 people who currently have an active case of the bug. Now, because of low testing numbers uh, for yesterday, that brings a percentage of tests to 3.746. So still under 4% of people have tested positive to that bug. Uh, unfortunately, three people lost their lives with the virus. That brings the total for 2021 to 505. Um, going under that... Um, can't find that because I haven't released the other figures. Uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, so it's still for uh, cases per population, it's 0.17%. Um, what else is there? A death rate is total deaths is 0.02% of the population. Um, it's hard to do this because they, they release their figures, their, their official figures at about lunchtime and then the, that little spiffy tweet comes out uh, whenever they do it today. It was around 9 o'clock. Uh, but anyway, I uh, won't waffle too much more of that. Um, so now the other thing, I'm sure we've all read the papers over the weekend where we hear that there is the there's a new uh, variant uh, the Omicron, I think it is, uh, but let's just call it the moronic variant uh, because I think that's what we are if we're going to start obsessing about it. And before I start obsessing about the variant, I just want to play you this. I think it's by former Chief Health Officer Nick Coates. If this is milder than Delta, you actually want it to spread within your community. You want it to outcompete Delta and become the predominant circulating virus. So that just shows you how much more we have to learn about this because it could be, it could be that we want Omicron to spread around the world as quickly as possible. Now, um, so that's the thing. As, as we've, we're hearing that uh, the, the doctor who originally discovered it said there's mild fever, there is... Um, very uh, unsymptomatic, no symptoms, so they're asymptomatic. And here's a little bit from this doctor who appeared on, I think it's the Today Show this morning. So listen, I have seen patients this morning 
with asymptomatical symptoms, not the same than Delta. No loss of smell, no loss of, of taste, no stuffy nose, no cough, no fever, or, well, very little fever. I saw um, in th th this whole 10 days with only two patients with fever. So, um, and also this saturation, oxygen saturation was normal. Um, and that's it. That's what we saw. Now, going by that, uh, talking about oxygen saturation, so this is what um, how people breathe. So if your oxygen saturation level drops, um, not sure on the numbers and all that sort of stuff because, hey, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a voice on the radio at the moment. Uh, so that is when that gets down too low, then people need to be ventilated because they do have uh, trouble breathing for themselves and, and things like that. So if the oxygen saturation still stays the same, there's no symptoms or there's a low chance of fever, then as Dr. Coates said at the start, the first clip that I played, this is the variant that we want to have running around because then this becomes the dominant one and uh, out competes with Delta. So Delta you know, had um, was not that bad uh, compared to the normal flu, yet for all of a sudden, hey, everyone's going into Oscar Sierra mode. So um, we'll get the moronic variant out. Hey, let's bring it on uh, if, if that's the symptoms. But, I mean, that being said, uh, if you've been exposed to any of the variants, the chances of you getting it is very, very slim. Uh, and then the chances of you ending in hospital. Now, this is actually something that, that is, I think, that we need to look at is how people are managed prior to being a hospital admission. So, um, you know, is it that they've got the sniffle, they turn up in hospital, so they're treated as a hospital admission, even though they're treated as an outpatient? Uh, this is what we need clarification on. Are, are there, I think that they said um, there was 300 people in hospital today. Are they actually in hospital or are they being treated by the hospital? So are they an out, outpatient under hospital care uh, and, and things like that? And this is something that I think that we do need clarification on. And then from there, once they're in hospital, what is their treatment that they're undergoing and how are they being treated to end up on a ventilator and what's going on with that one? Uh, but, you know, obviously that's things that uh, we won't see at this point in time. Only history will tell us uh, if that process was the best one. Uh, so going back to this other thing, uh, yeah, so chances are low. I think, we, you know, we do need to, to have this moronic variant uh, come up and be the dominant one. Now, the other thing that has been said right along is that as these go, these mutations get weaker and weaker and weaker. And so, you know, this is the thing. Why are we getting upset about this variant now when there's a million other... No, yeah, okay, I won't say a million because that's a number. I mean, there is um, a, a plethora, plethora of uh, other variants out there that are probably just as concerning, if not more, yet, hey, we're jumping on board with this one. Uh, so... Oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's never-ending. And um, just coincidentally, or, or not, uh, the uh, Andrews Pandemic Bill is going to Parliament this week. Uh, I think it's supposed to be debated uh, first one up tomorrow when Parliament resumes. So that will be interesting to see what happens with that. But that being said, uh, and, and, you know, also depending on, on which member of the crossbench that they can get across the line to support it, uh, hopefully the two holdouts... Um, the ones, the two that are holding out on it do support it uh, and no one else from the crossbench, uh, sorry, don't support it and no one else from the crossbench turns around and, and supports it instead. Now, uh, 
something interesting from this. Adam Somurek, uh, Friday evening, did a tweet uh, and he said, when I analyse the past 18 months, I conclude that the state government has extraordinary coercive powers without sufficient safeguards and oversight. The bill shows the government concludes the safeguards are a nuisance in its right to exercise coercive power. The two perspectives are not irreconcilable. Now, this is the thing, is that there needs to be oversight for all this and this is what the Andrews regime is keen to avoid. They don't want oversight on anything. They don't want... Uh, anyone or anybody or anything like that questioning their ability to do things and that's why they've done it that the detention review officer is a public servant that the minister can make these decisions and parliament can't say anything and then the only uh, committee that has a chance to say something in very very limited circumstances is a committee that's stuck by the labor party uh so you know that's that's equally concerning there uh now also talking about this uh, with these uh, negotiations that were going on, there was uh, talk of a meeting on Friday uh, with the government with all the crossbenchers. Now, these two, the minister, I mean, okay, so we're, the, the most important people with this bill is obviously the um, dictator-in-chief, Dan Andrews, his incompetent health minister, Martin Foley, or the chief health officer, Brett Sutton. None of them turned up to brief the crossbench. It was only, um, you know, officials or, or whatever it is, so so minions. The, these people themselves, the three of them, can't even get round to talk to the crossbench to get this bill across. So, you know, this just shows you the, the, the level of contempt that Dan Andrews has for the, the parliamentary process uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I we all need to understand that, that this guy – does not give a whoop to you about anything else apart from his ability to control the population. This is all about power for him, nothing more, nothing less. He he wants the power. He needs to be able to have the power because it does serve uh, something else, you know, his uh, other agenda that he's got going on. Now, just you know, a bit of a segue into that one is that he did uh, appear on a, what was it, a, I won't even call it an interview, with Channel 10, I mean, holy shit, uh, that is going to be so embarrassing. It was just sitting down asking questions and, uh, you know, this was just a puff piece. So Channel 10 has sold their soul to the Andrews regime. They're just doing puff piece. So anyway, I just want to play this bit and um, have a bit more of a chat about it as well. So listen, I have seen... Oops, that's not the right one. Um, let's try this one. I came back because I'm absolutely committed to finishing this job, to getting the job done, and there's so much more to do. Now, uh, obviously, this could be uh, how much more he's got to do to bring in the Great Reset uh, and how much more he's got to do to get us uh, further reliant on China and the... Um, social credit score and everything like that that he's planning on bringing in. I mean, this this has to be the plan because there's no other reason why we would need to QR code into a place when it does nothing to stop people getting infected it, uh, with this virus. Um, vaccine passports do nothing to stop the um, transmission of this, this bug. Uh, lockdowns, the cost of lockdowns, was far greater than the benefit because of it. Uh, you know, obviously not, 
you know, excluding the first 14 days or, or two or three weeks or whatever it was when this was first came about because no one had any idea what it is. Now we're going in, uh, we've got nearly two years of data now that lockdowns aren't going to do anything. Um, so, you know, he's nothing that he is doing now, nothing that he is implementing. And actually, let's make it clear, he is implementing it. It's not coming from his chief health officer because he's just um, a, a minion for Andrews. So Andrew says, this is what I want to do. And the chief health officer is there to create a public health reason to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, there is more that he probably wants to do to uh, bring about the demise of everything in this state uh, and then obviously in turn uh, bring about the demise of the uh, the, the Federation or the, the Commonwealth that is Australia um, as we know it. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a very different place if we don't turn around and, you know, draw a line in the sand and saying, no, you're not going any further, you're not doing this, you're not, you're, you know, no, we will not comply anymore. This is it. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, um, so that's, you know, it, it, it's the thing. Um, sadly, you know, I unless there's uh, something happening and um, the Liberal Party actually um, become a genuine party, that there's not much more that they can do to uh, defeat Dan Andrews. I, I sadly think that, if the Liberal Party stays as incompetent as they are, that Andrews is going to be a shoo-in. Hopefully the uh, other parties and independents and everything like that can get involved and, and can get um, a, a bit more um, airtime and uh, get some more votes and people in that. So uh, talking about that one now, um, there was a tweet by David Limerick uh, correction, David Limbrick, uh, my apologies to him, uh, where he tweeted, to anyone attending protests tomorrow, um, so like bullet points afterwards, threatening is bad, call it out and reject it. Aim for peace, be peaceful. Weird messages don't help. The goal is to stop mandates, stop the bill and spread peace. For the actual quote, quote, far, far right, stay home, your pests. Now, you know what? It, I saw this and obviously... Two thoughts on that. Yes, he should be saying it because uh, if it's not said, then the corrupt corporate press are going to be jumping all over it saying that, hey, you know, you're not calling out extremists and blah, blah, blah and, and everything that they do to uh, want to be able to get past it, uh, sorry, to to uh, discredit whatever's being said. Now, so obviously something needs to be said about it. Honestly, I don't think it does because really it's not there. It's just a red herring that's thrown out by them to delegitimize the message that, that what these people are protesting about. Uh, so that being said, uh, with his quote talking about weird messages, uh, what was it? Weird messages don't help and for the actual far right. Now, who cares if your message is weird or not because... If he, you know, they're going along the, the uh, from their freedom manifesto, it says free speech. And I'm reading from the, the manifesto here. Freedom of speech is fundamental in a democratic society. The free exchange of ideas and opinions allows the ideas and opinion, opinions to be tested 
with the more robust being accepted. Speech that is agreeable and popular is protected by default. The most important function of free speech is to protect unpopular speech. Continued government's attacks on free speech because it is offensive or hate speech simply shrink the window of allowable opinion and set a precedent for further, even more puritanical censorship. This is awful for democracy and the pursuit of a free society. It harms both the people being censored and those who are denied the right to hear forbidden words. Uh, So, you know, that's the thing is that if what, you know, yes, you know, and let's make it clear that, um, you know, all the hate speech and extreme, you know, quote unquote extremist is, you know, They've got the right to say, yes, it's wrong what they're saying. Uh, it's not up to us to tell them to stop saying it. It's up to us to present an alternative to other people so they don't get swept along with that. Uh, so, you know, and, and this is the thing. I mean, who cares about a weird message? I mean, it's a platform that people are using to get their voice heard. Uh, you know, someone may see that and think, oh, okay, yep, that's fine. You know, so... I, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, and it's it's concerning that he's gone and said that, which obviously is in direct defiance of their freedom manifesto, uh, because you know he's denying someone their free speech. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is, as long as it's not illegal. Um, so you know that's the thing, and I mean, but then brings down to the other thing: do words really hurt? Um, so, you know, it's your interpretation that you put onto the words that hurts you. It's not the actual words themselves. So, you know, it brings back down to the other thing. Can words really hurt? Um, so, you know, that's, that's a whole nother, um, philosophical discussion probably for another episode. Uh, so that, I mean, you know, I, I can understand why he did that because he's aiming for a, a seat. Uh, in the Senate, so he's you know probably looking to that part of his political future now uh, rather than what's currently in front of him. Uh, so yeah, but then by the same token, by him even mentioning it, it creates something that the corrupt corporate press can latch onto because they're going to focus. Oh, here's David Limbrick. He you know he's called out the far right. Well, really, what is the far right? Um, you know, does it actually exist? Uh, so who knows? Um, you know, I honestly don't think it does. I'm purely, I think it is just a purely a, a matter of uh, good and evil. Um, you know, either what they're doing is good or what they're doing is evil. Um, the um, far right are just as bad as the far left, which are just as bad as the uh, complacent or the... Um, uh, you know, the, the inactive ones, the ones who just go along with the flow, which is the mob mentality. So, you know, it brings to the whole lot of um, things from there. So um, that being said, so it's coming time for um, federal election, which supposedly happens sometime before May. Uh, there's talk that the uh, this last sitting week, or is it next week, in federal parliament is going to be the last sitting week before... An election is called, so uh, the all those Labor Party uh, politicians who are resigning and not contesting the seat at the next election 
uh, being advised to put their farewell speeches in now because they might not get a, t- a chance to do it. Um, so, but either way, uh, you know, who should we be voting for? Should we be voting for Liberal Democrats? Should we be voting for the, the uh, United Australia Party, One Nation, whatever? Uh, something I've said all along, right from the start of, of being involved, you know, voicing my opinion on politics, is the first vote that you should make is to an independent because the uh, House of Reps, the Senate, uh, the Constitution of, you know, at least Victoria and uh, the Commonwealth that I know is not set up for political parties. It is set up for independence. This is what our system runs by. I mean, you know, our our constitutions don't have uh, a, a prime minister or a premier. That's, you know, that's why... Uh, Kay Rudd and Gillard were able to be booted out of office by the party. That's why uh, Turnbull was able to knife Abbott and then, uh, you know, Abbott got booted out and ScoMo came... Uh, sorry, um, Turnbull got booted out and Morrison came in. Uh, you know, this is the thing is that the... You know, it's, it's set up for independence to be in there and the ministers report to uh, parliament and then parliament makes the decisions on laws etc etc and then passes it off to the governor or governor general in the in the state of uh, the commonwealth uh, to create the laws and and this is the thing you know if we have a look at it law politics is supposed to be boring uh, it's not supposed to be something where people are there every day uh, in Parliament passing laws. And and this is the thing, is that the more time that they spend in Parliament, the more laws that they're passing and the more laws that they pass, the more stuff that they're doing to get involved in our life. And this is something that government should not be doing. Government should be staying out of our life and letting us manage our own life because, you know, we're supposedly all adults uh, for that. So, you know, this is a thing. Uh, so going back to it, voting independent, uh, I still believe you've got more chance of swaying an independent if, you, if you're active within the community, like um, politically with this particular independent, um, being able to gather support, et cetera, et cetera, to get them to vote your way than you will with a party politician. And looking at this current pandemic bill as a perfect example uh, you know, if it wasn't for Somurek coming in uh, at the last minute and saying, no, hey, I'm going to vote against it, no one would have voted against it. And, you know, he's, remember, he's a former power broker in the Labor Party. <coughs> oh, pardon me. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <coughs> that was a bit of a non-unplanned choke there. Uh, so, you know, it's the thing, if he's got those views, how many others in the Labor Party have a similar view? And then also how many are not willing to vote against the party because they know if they do that they won't get their cushy ministerial job or assistant minister or uh, things like that. Um, So, you know, this is the thing. We need to get rid of the political parties. And as much as the Liberal Democrats and United Australia Party are saying that they're going to be different, they haven't said how they're going to... uh, allow their members to vote as per the wishes of the electorate, not the wishes of the party. Anyway, I will um, have a bit more of a rant about that when it comes a bit closer to election time. Now, uh, continuing with this whole election thing, 
our um, hopefully um, the person who could have been PM. We know that uh, he had um, a nice fake barbecue with the uh, dictator of the state of Victoria. Um, nice little fake barbecue there. You know, a couple of was it chops um, on the barbecue that wasn't lit. The barbecue wasn't dirty. There were no grill marks on that. Elbows wearing a suit. Um, and um, Chairman Dan has his um, shirt and jumper on. Uh, and there's a barbecue near a gra- in the roller door on a garage. Um, you know, it, it's just so many things there that it looked like it was a set-up photo. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so those two were, were talking over the weekend, um, Albanese's um, big, doing a big scare uh, thing about this uh, moronic variant and he posts on Twitter this morning, Australia is the con- only country in the OECD that doesn't have a Centre for Disease Control. A Labor government will ex- will establish one. So really, okay, that's fine, Albo, you can go and establish one. What power is it going to have? What ability to do anything is it going to have? It won't be able to tell state um, chief health officers what to do. It won't be able to tell state premiers what to do. So what's the point in it? Uh, So is this just another way for the Labor Party to continue their jobs for the boys things um, that they do? I mean, and this is it. You know, yes, the Liberal Party is just as bad and they do that sort of stuff too. Uh, though, you know, and this is the thing, this is why we need to get away from party politics is that there's, you know, jobs for the faithful. Create a Centre for Disease Control that's going to have a phenomenal budget for a state, for a country that can't afford it and then because of that, where's the money going to come from? The states? Because, like, just, yeah. Uh, But anyway, um, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, But either way, I mean, I seriously hope that the... Uh, Labor Party don't get into power uh, because if we have a Labor Commonwealth or federal government and then Labor states, the country's screwed. Um, I think the best that we can hope for is that the uh, Liberal National Party um, are able to form a minority government with uh, potentially either the Liberal Democrats or the United Australia Party or even um, Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party because um, I think that that would be far better uh, for the country than a Labor Party forming a minority government with the watermelons. Uh, I mean, obviously that's for the lower house. What's going to happen in the Senate? Um, you know, just because a government's got control of, you know, is able to form government in the lower house doesn't mean to say that they're going to have control of the Senate. Um, so, you know, we could always hopefully rely on the Senate to uh, block uh, p- potentially dangerous legislation. Uh, so who knows? But, I mean, honestly, what I'd like to see happen is that uh, if the Labor Party win control of the lower house and they lose control of the Senate, you know, just let a couple of bills go through and then just start blocking everyone and then block um, block appropriation bills. You say no, we don't want the Labor Party in in charge, and then go for a double dissolution. Ele- sorry, yeah, yeah, it is. No, it's not a double dissolution election. It's a dismissal, so which is a full election. Uh, so we will just have to wait and see from there. At anyway, um, obviously, you know, having a little bit of a daydream there about what I'd like to see happen. So anyway, that's about it for this one. Uh, thanks for listening. 
I look forward to having you join me on the next one when it's probably going to be an interesting uh, couple of hours to or 12 hours to what? I think lower house. When does the lower house start tomorrow? I think that starts about 11.30 tomorrow. Um, might actually watch some of it on live stream if I can. Um, but there will be a lot of horse trading going on. Um, no, uh, yes, Legislative Council starts at 11.30 tomorrow uh, and the Legislative Assembly starts at lunchtime. Uh, so everyone gets a bit of a sleep in and then we'll just have to wait and see what happens from there. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, it will be an interesting podcast to see what happens in the next couple of days with regards to the bill. Uh, so what else? Head on over to the fifth estate, the 5th.estate, um, add your name to the email list. I'd uh, love to have you become a member uh, because, you know, this is the thing. Um, these things like this are going to be suppressed on social media. Um, so the only way to really support it is to... Uh, become a member and you know obviously show me your direct support um, that you do like what I'm doing and you do see some benefit in it etc etc so but anyway we'll wait and see you can find all that information at the fifth dot estate um, thanks for listening my name is Cameron Blewett and this was the fifth estate podcast look forward to having you join me on the next one bye for now <laughs>